welcome to episode two of Behind the Mosaic. I'm your host, Don Marie Zimmerman. This week's episode features an artist whose large-scale public and private installations have elevated the value of the mosaic medium beyond that of a surface treatment, and to a method of achieving meaningful impact and engagement with the environment and community for which a work is created. Today, I chat with Sherry Warner-Hunter. Sherry is the creative force behind SWH Art Studio in Beltbuckle, Tennessee. Since moving there in the 1990s, the studio's production has concentrated on large-scale public commissions and community-based artworks. Her work is included in many private collections and can be viewed publicly all over the U.S., including the Executive Residence of Tennessee in Nashville, the McLaren Healthcare Village in Clarkston, Michigan, the Pediatric Network Therapy Center in Torrance, California, and the Lucille Salter Packard Children's Hospital at Stanford in Palo Alto, California. She has written two books, the most recent being Creating Concrete Ornaments for the Garden, which was published by Lark Books and was developed from her expertise honed through decades of teaching studio workshops, which she still continues to teach off out of her Bellbuckle, Tennessee studio and all over the world. I had a list of questions for Sherry that would have taken several hours to cover. So I decided to start with what brought her to Mosaic and explore her process and philosophies around creative collaboration. I believe these are her secrets to success in working in the scope of large-scale mosaic. So here we go, episode two. Thank you for joining us. delighted to be asked. <laughs> there, there is a point in life where we're just we're just happy to be part of the party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think I'd like to officially welcome you to Behind the Mosaic. Um, it was extremely important for me to make sure you were one of my first guests because I don't think I've ever told you this, but. I don't know that I would be as deep into mosaic as I am if it weren't for your book. Uh-huh. Your first book. I think I bought one of the first, maybe the the second edition of the first book. Well, thank you for that. Making <laughs> making concrete garden ornaments. And mm-hmm. I think it is a Bible for anyone working in mosaic today, um, especially the section on... Uh, recipes, but maybe we'll get into that in a little bit because I really wanted to start more at your beginning with not only mosaic, I wanted to go back a little bit further because I think a lot of people may not realize how deep your foundations are in um, the study of art and sculpture, um, having a BFA in sculpture and drawing and a master's in studio art that led you down a path that eventually got to mosaic. And so I wanted to talk about a little bit about those earlier years um, and then leading up into your transition into coming to mosaic a little bit, if you can, can you share a little bit about that, (laughs) that, that art school experience? 
Well, it's, you know, life is a journey. (laughs) And um, I was dead set on going to to college and studying to be a painter. Um, And when I got there, I was accepted to art school and went to the Kansas City Art Institute. Um, the first year is uh, a foundation program, so it's interesting when you use the word, what was your foundation? And that's really where um, my start, uh, or really sort of the seed was planted for my direction in, in my own personal art exploration. So I was taught by a wonderful team of teachers, all of which have had a, a massive influence on me, but one in particular, Willem Volkers, um, would share slides of uh, vernacular architecture and artist-made environments, um, some called, sometimes called visionary art environments, um, folk art environments, but they're usually made by untrained artists um, that have had some sense of revelation, um, whether it be a person or a religion or, um, or a mental breakdown, you know, all those things <laughs> add up nicely. <laughs> um, so early on, I saw images of Simon Rodia's Watts Towers and the Dickieville Grotto's Fred Smith Concrete Park. And what three of those, and you know, there were many more, but those three all incorporated an embellishment process of embedding or mosaic of both found objects and ceramic tile for the most part. Um, Nothing in the way of a traditional mosaic material, but that application of color and that energy of application was something that really struck a chord for me. Mm, Okay. And that's what I was curious about, where that, where the course turned a bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, I actually, when I I did end up um, majoring in sculpture, not not painting, because I liked the material exploration much more. and, you know, in combination with image and storytelling narrative. But I am I really liked the physicality of making things and putting things together. And um, although I sort of fell back on um, my love of the domestic arts, um, a family trait, um, <laughs> and did a lot of fabric piece work, collage, um, and fa- even to installations combined with other kinds of materials like um, wood and clay and that type of thing. Um, from that, so the, a lot of the... I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, so the... The, the process and the steps in constructing and fabricating sculptures, the multi-level steps to it were really what drew you away from painting? Yes. Okay. I mean, I just, I just um, had, admit, had to admit to myself that I liked stuff. I kept doing drawing, though. I want you to understand uh, yeah. I, I have a bit of a soapbox with that. And... Um, continued to take a lot of perceptual drawing, figure drawing, um, in addition to expressive drawing and also to um, mechanical drawing, which was something else I was able to um, get an introduction to in high school. So um, all of, you know, we become the sum total of our experiences Mm -hmm. and all of these just sort of started adding up. And layering on top of each other. 
Exactly. Oh, I love that. And so at some point, we've layered the experiences in high school and undergrad and postgrad work, and you move into the professional sphere where you're still very drawn to the the environmental aspect of art in collaboration with community in uh, as a part of or an enhancement of a container of a community um, setting. And that, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I was going to say that actually comes a bit later because after, well, during and after my graduate degree, I got very involved in um, more in arts management okay. and was very active with um, setting up and directing um, what was called, what some people call traditional craft materials in terms of uh, clay, fiber, and glass. So I was, um, it turned out to be sort of a postdoctoral when I look back Ah, on it because I had segue into um, a lot of major ceramic artist studios, glass blower studios, fiber artist studios and all of these you know the experience of seeing the materials and how materials are manipulated in and of themselves was yet another layer that i feel has contributed to my um work as people view it now which didn't really occur until i left california to move to tennessee Okay, so that's the piece that I didn't have, that I didn't know that that slipped right (laughs) in between Mm -hmm. the two. So that's interesting. So that does add another layer because that element, I think, would be another crucial layer to the success of working in those community environments. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Ah, love that. So now we move to Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I'm sure was um, quite a transition. I know my transition moving from California to Western Pennsylvania was a transition. Um, so tell us a little bit about that move. <laughs> and and again, there's always another layer. So <laughs> I left California, or let me put it this way. I was invited to come back as a visiting instructor in the foundation program at at the Kansas City Art Institute. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of gone full circle from student in awe to being able to actually be an instructor. And I was at a transitional point in California, so I thought, what the heck, I'll put everything in storage and see what happens. And it turned out that I did in fact um, make the decision to move to Kansas City. Um, Got, after having been involved in arts administration for so long, got involved with an art making group and started physically making art again, instead of writing, curating, installing, and um, doing all of that. And then at a, at a certain point, um, my husband was offered a job in Tennessee, and I said, well, if we're moving for your job, I'm going to move for my job and recommit to the studio, and I have a five-year plan. And I only want to mention this because so many of us sometimes get slightly diverted, diverted in our life quest <laughs> with what we think is an opportunity, and all of a sudden we turn around one day, and it's just like, what am I doing? And so... I was lucky enough to be able to have a reset button and um, 
I said, you're, you know, we're, we're going to see how this works, but I want five years to, to recommit and see if this is a profession or, you know, a really nice hobby, mm. <laughs> which wouldn't have been bad. But I was fortunate enough that, and I, I swear to you, <laughs> four years <laughs> and 11 months to be awarded my first public commission. Uh. And I took that as a sign. And, well, now you now I'm at the point where, you were asking that question before how how I was making choices to get involved with the community and um, doing public commissions and all that I am involved with at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you are correct. We've we've now come to that point. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I thanks for filling in um, that little area because I do I do think. It's crucial because, and I guess this does lead into what I wanted to talk about in terms of how you manage collaborations, especially whether it's a commission project or the community projects. Twyla Tharp says that in the end, all collaborations are love stories. And with all of the layers that you bring to your collaborations, I, the evidence that I've witnessed in the work as well as my knowledge of your work with um, the Community Built Association, I I see that in your experiences. So I was hoping we could talk a little bit about how you approach collaboration and how that all just, you know, it, in the end comes to a point where you can walk away from the project and you know that through it all, your artistic vision um, was achieved. I think you had said in one of your uh, artist statements for a project that was submitted to MAI a few years ago that uh, most of your commissioned work is developed by listening to your clients and then surprising them with more than they ask for. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because all of that to me is is very inspiring and I think would be for a lot of people who are working in Mosaic at this scale and are challenged with the multiple layers of project management in addition to holding vision for the work and the multiple personalities that are involved when collaborating. Okay. Um, and it's not that I have, you know, that I entered the commission world or the collaborative or community built as a, you know, at the full blown stage that more people are aware of. Um, mm -hmm. I did start small. Um, there were a number of, of schools that I worked in and I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, so that the, the collaboration collaborating audience or uh, the, the stakeholders, the population of um, collaborators is a, a smaller nucleus when I started. So there would usually I be see. maybe a principal, mm. uh, maybe an art teacher, maybe some parent assistants. Um, but then my main collab collaborators were the students. So in talking first with the principal and, you know, who's basically going to be responsible for fundraising, um, I 
I need to talk to them in terms of what they hope to um, achieve with this process for both the school and for the student participation, um, who their funders are, uh, do they have expectations, and um, but then the big thing is working with the art teachers to see if it interlocks with their lesson plans. Is there a way you can bring it home to other activities in the school? And really keeping your feelers out all the time, trying to make it um, have as much direct or implied meaning as possible. Um, mm -hmm. Then the, the easy sell is usually the participants who are working on it, the students, um, you know, it's so wonderful when they s discover what that they're doing something completely new. And then at the end, when they see they've made something bigger and more complex than than they even imagined. And I can only hope that that gets carried on to other aspects of their lives. Um, on a larger scale, I've done a lot, you know, moving this, the next step up. I worked with a lot of nonprofit organizations who all have particular missions. Um, and again, the there's usually not only the funding they have for the project, but what kind of funding they hope to get to support their mission and their organization as well. So how those how your artistic concept is presented visually um, often becomes a tool for them in the fundraising, not only for what you're doing, but also for the organization um, operations. I know there's a lot of, um, there's been different discussions at SAMA about mm -hmm. how much you should show a client when you're doing a commission piece of artwork. And I, over the years, have been uh, pretty, pretty darn specific about um, what the, overall piece is going to look like. So if I'm doing a series of sculptures, thematic sculptures, um, I'm making a series of small maquettes that are one inch to one foot that are um, colored and painted in a way that is really going to relate what the finished product is going to look like. Because the larger your for me, I feel that the larger the investment of the client is, um, generally speaking, the less they are going to like to be surprised at the end. Mm -hmm. that, that they really want to have some grasp. They want to be able to talk intelligently about what is going on with um, their project, their pet project. And it just... Um, for me, I just feel like I want them to look at the proposal when the finished project is done and say, and like you already said, not only, wow, that looks like what I was expecting, but double wow, because I didn't realize the layers of meaning that you were going to build into it. Um, and that meaning can come from a participant making their own design, mosaic design that's included into the overall design, or it can include um, the positive reinforcement of the community for what they've just been involved in, or an increase in fundraising. So, I mean, it can be, um, and I think probably, and something I, I have skipped over so far, is the stories that come out of the whole process. Gotcha. Uh, so as you know... Go ahead. The, the stories that come in the process of the collaboration with 
the organization or the commissioning body. In understanding their needs and wants, you discover a whole nother layer just in the midst of working with it. In the midst of working with them, but also the community participants. Mm -hmm. When I can, you know, as you know, that that um, how much time is involved in Mosaic. <laughs> so if you're working side by side on a project over a couple months and you have different people, you know, sitting in there next to you over that period of time, they're, they tend to start opening up uh, in the relaxed situation of, of being part of that project. And so you'll start hearing personal stories about their involvement with the organization or how the organization has assisted them or what it means to those to them and and then i try to relay those to the clients so that they can further develop the story behind this object that they have commissioned and i love that because back to twyla's quote about it being a love story it is a a circular communication. So you visually are communicating through the maquette, through demonstrating that you've listened in cooperation with uh, the participants in the community um, and are mindful of the mission of the organization. And it, it continues back and forth throughout the fabrication of the process. It's not just in uh, the proposal stage. No, not at all. Um, that would be more like manufacturing if it was just like, okay, here's the design, I'll go back and make it, and okay, here it is. No, it, it really is about all that intertwining of energy, of um, creativity, and of unexpected, um, wonderful accidents that happen along the way. And are all of those layers what draws you to this genre of art making well absolutely i mean and that's what um really spirited my involvement with the community build association mm -hmm. um because those those stories um in fact help to build communi communities whether it's you know in the schoolyard or if it's in the park or um in front of a or you know an organizational headquarters um those those stories that interaction the memories um are as much as important as the physical object itself now it does it does sort of shift a little bit when it's more of a commercial entity um, okay because at meaning um they still may be a nonprofit, but the involvement with individuals might be less mm -hmm. um, or different or different. Um, so I've done a couple projects with um, hospitals and there the patient can only be involved to a certain level um, because of all kinds of reasons, mm -hmm. uh, physical, emotional, sanitary, safety. Yes. <laughs> um, so then your collaborators, you try to collaborate as much as you can because um, I guess during my early education in sculpture, it was a time when a lot of the public artwork was what began to be called plop art, where artists had large scale pieces and they just more or less sold them to be you know, in, put into a physical location without 
real relevance to the um, community at hand. And I mm -hmm. think uh, I think sometimes artists do that. But my sort of reaction to that was really how how serious I take the involvement of the community to be some of the stakeholders in the in the finished product. Um, and at the same time, hold a high level of craftsmanship. So with some of my more recent pieces, um, there's been more participation on the design side and okay. then an effort to really be, um, well, I wanna think of the right, authentic to the drawing, um, be as, as uh, true to the drawing or the authentic to the design as the um, participant intended. Okay. Um, I had to laugh when we were working on a project and it had a lot of oh, wildlife from the ecosystem. It was Fletcher Creek Park project and it was in an urban park that was adjacent to an elementary school and all the fifth graders had to draw something that had that lived and thrived in the ecosystem of the Fletcher Creek, um, which was part of the Wolf Creek watershed and they had to write a paper on it and that, you know, the school really took charge of this. So we got all these wonderful drawings um, that we were going to translate in the studio because the school year these days is full of testing and they don't have a lot of extra time for doing a whole lot more. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, said uh -huh. the truth. <laughs> so, um, I, I gave one drawing to one of my assistants and she said, well, can I make it symmetrical? And I said, <laughs> is it drawn symmetrical? She said, no. <laughs> I said, we need to make it just the way they drew it. And, you know, choosing the tile colors that were closest to it and, and cutting or nipping or shaping them as close to their mark making as possible. Mm -hmm. And I'd already given a primer that they needed to draw in shapes and um, for the mosaic to work in terms of the style that I use. And, you know, so there were a lot that were were good but some of course you always have the child that's super detailed and it's like, it's like okay well yeah um, that I'm, makes it a challenge to render in mosaic yeah and actually in in that sense we've really upped our skill level because you know that's what we were just given to follow so how are we going to do that okay. right, you know what are we going to learn so that we can translate that drawing authentically and make the butterfly unsymmetrical if that's how it's drawn <laughs> <laughs> well and i think you know what you'd said about and maybe i'll 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 lead you to step up onto your drawing soapbox because I know, personally, I know your feelings on this, but to hear your reconciliation of the the meaning behind having the students participate at a level, at a design level that respects where they are and then, you know, transmuting that into a finished work um, I'm just, I'm really fascinated by that because I know how meticulous you are throughout your process um, in your pre-renderings and your drawings and, and how you go about that. And so I'm, I'm hoping we can talk a little bit more about that because it's, it's fascinating to me, that, that balance. Well, it's, it's, <clears throat> 
a, a funny story. When when I one of the conferences I helped organize with the community built um, organization, we had Isaiah Zagar come as a um, to do a to help us do this big mural mm-hmm. on the Gulf Shores, and everyone was just aghast that I would ask Isaiah Zagar to come when they knew how fastidious I was about um, <laughs> my my grout lines and my. We just work very different. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very different. It's just like no, I, how can I not respect that? Um, and I respect so many different styles. So on the drawings, I must have. When I'm designing the piece, I've already, with myself, figured out an area where I know that I want to insert participation. Ah, okay. So, so again, going back to um, Fletcher Creek, it was a, um, it it wasn't so much a a community built piece. It was an, a studio piece, but I knew that on the tree, um, it was called the seasonal tree of life, that I was allowing for an element of that tree which to um, be divided into seasons and that their drawings would be organized in the seasons in which that wildlife um, was more often visible. Okay. So it was an organizational thing of a planned community project that was inserted into a studio commission. I see. Okay. And there's there's a lot of times where that occurs. Um, a number of park pieces I've done, um, they have requested a certain image that I work around and, and sculpt and develop, but then that becomes a page. And the page is for the community to participate. And then after the page they've they've done their part on their page then i come back and do my part on the page so it's almost like one of those drawings that you pass back and forth mm-hmm. or i'm also thinking of like a, um, a you structure the project to allow space for the spontaneity thank you okay. i like that Okay. I'll borrow that. <laughs> okay, you can have it. <laughs> okay. No, I just I I think it's it's fascinating and I think it's a fascinating way to work and I think it can translate to collaborations of all kinds. Um I think the mind the mindset of having the you know, to use our mosaic terminology the cartoon the the rough outline and Mm -hmm. plan for there to be sections or spaces um where the happy accidents can happen Mm -hmm. in episode one sophie and i talked about happy accidents a little bit and i think when talking with her she had also mentioned her she can be her own worst enemy in the way that she pushes herself And so I was wondering if there was an area in this process of collaboration or just in your your creative vision and goals for yourself, if there's an aspect of your work where you struggle to push yourself outside of a box or or are you within each project finding new ways to kind of push that envelope or move your needle? I mean, I will agree I'm my own worst enemy, but putting a name to it's a little bit more difficult. Okay. Um, I, 
I mean, I won't take a job unless I know there's an aspect of it that I'm going to grow with. Um, oh, I think that's well, important. That That's important to share. <laughs> that's- yeah, I, I um, you know, some people say, might think, um, and I, I actually was told this in front of a, in front of a, board of for when I was a finalist for a commission and one one person <laughs> okay one of the painful things that was said to me in the board was um I don't think we need another Sherry Warner Hunter <laughs> but fortunate fortunately I there was another voice on the panel who had been on several panels of uh, when I've been in a selection and he said, um, I don't think you can say that because of this piece and that piece and the proposal that she did for this piece. And um, I, then he spoke up that saying, you know, given a chance, she'll really surprise you. So, you know, it was balanced out after I caught my breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that would take um, my breath away. <laughs> yeah. And if, you know, if I ever got to the point, where I looked at my own work and thought that because I am my my worst critic, um, then I you know then I would know to pull up immediately that that yeah I was definitely heading down the wrong road if it was just going to be another Sherry Warner Hunter for whatever that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. At this point in time, I don't know what that means. I mean, quite honestly. <laughs> Very honestly, I just turned 65, okay? Yeah. And at 60, um, I decided to tool up for my next 20 years. And I feel very confident in um, what I've done in preparation because I knew that meant completing some heavy-duty deadlines that had were had just landed on my plate. Okay. And, and they are finished for the for the most part now. And um, so I'm really turning a new eye into, um, okay, I've I've been very fortunate where I've had these commissions that have challenged me to do something um, new and I've, I've taken the gauntlet and run with it. Um, but I, I need to throw down my own gauntlet now. And, yeah. um, and it's, um, it's exciting and terrifying. It's exciting and terrifying, but at the same time, um, there's there's so much potential. I would think it's energizing as well. Oh, it's definitely that. It's definitely that. I wanted to share with you, it, on that note, I wanted to share with you a quote from your juror statement in 2015, or I'm sorry, 2016, um, you juried, you were one of the jurors on the Mosaic Arts International uh, Fine Art Exhibition Jury Panel. And in your juror statement, and, I, and I'm thinking this might lead into <laughs> what you're talking about here, in your juror statement um, about the process of selecting works, um, You said, I had several criteria when looking at the submitted works. A strong command of selected materials is just a starting point for an artwork selected for this caliber caliber of exhibition. I was looking for something more, a personal style, message, or exploration of unexpected materials while honoring the tradition of mosaic. Technique and craftsmanship 
craftsmanship are very important qualities, and I was inclined to include them along with conceptual content or an intriguing composition while assessing the entrance. It's not a matter of traditional or contemporary. A good piece of artwork has to succeed on many levels. And moving from this very collaborative, intense environment with these larger scale commissions. Do you see yourself moving more into a more focused uh, singular or solo studio practice moving forward? Or are you going to be making room for both possibly? Uh, making room for both would mean finding balance, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, balance, I think balance is a verb. So I'm just going to put that out there. Balance isn't an endpoint. It's a verb. It's an active no, it, thing. It, it definitely is an active. It's, and, and there are a lot of verbs out there so um, that we think are ending points. Um so I would like to do both, and I'm sort of taking baby steps in both directions right now. I, I mean, in my studio, I have a um, an ongoing commission of working on donor pieces for an Alzheimer's garden in Nashville, and I have two in progress and one on the drawing board, so that gives me some... Um, direction and framework there. On the other, I find myself pulling, I've been pulling out um, pieces that due to time constraints over the last five years, they may have gotten started or, um, but they, they got put away. So I've been pulling mm -hmm. out to sort of assess uh, where I was before all this took place. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I don't have any... <laughs> pardon the word, concrete <laughs> decisions on that. <laughs> um, but uh, it is, I'm, I'm feeling very good about, um, about possibilities right okay. now. Possibilities. It, I would, I would think it's a really interesting place to be for you. And so I'm excited about where you, where, where the concrete leads you. <laughs> Yes, yes. But I will say on, on, on um, I, th I think going back to the collaborative, there's probably mm -hmm. the one where we had started um, about working more with um, companies and organizations on a larger scale. Okay. And how different that is from the nonprofit organization. Yes. And Fletcher Creek sort of um, began that because I was working with a city entity and um, a lot of uh, different layers within the city had approval processes and the idea of committees and um, how we all cringe when it's art by committee and, and how important it is for one to have a clear voice and to be able to continually restate your intentions um, given possibly a diverse collection of people in the room at different times. Mm -hmm. um, so at some point in time, my project in California will be finished, but I'm at this point at the mercy of uh, one of the collaborators. Um, well, more than, the, more than one, but 
I have a construction company who subcontracted uh, um, a landscaping company, and I, everything is done but a small amount of grouting and caulking. But I've been waiting to go back for because when I go back, um, I'd like to, you know, living in Tennessee, peace in California, you don't have a lot of opportunities to take photographs. Mm-hmm. And after all, as we, when we, the bigger your piece, the more important the photographs are, um, because that's, that's what you're left to review and look at and share. Um, so I'm waiting for that the work of the landscapers to be completed to make that final trip to get those final pictures. And so as as um, invigorating as some of the nonprofit uh, collaborations have been, um, they're not all collaborations um, bring result in the emotional emotions that we would hope. That's a very diplomatic way of saying it. I was going to say the anxiety for me in being away from the project for so long, knowing that there are landscapers and contractors working and moving about, and then the work that we're speaking of are outdoor sculptural pieces. So um, knowing that there are multiple teams doing their thing in and around the work before it's been documented would give me a complete anxiety attack. Oh, wait till you see the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yes. It, it, uh, you know, in one way it's, it's almost, I've seen pictures and I know it has massive amount of red tape around it right now. Caution tape. But there were periods of time when I was out there working on different aspects of it where, um, you know, truckloads of dirt and skid loaders and rebar and boards were dangerously close. And um, how Uh, how one deals with that, but at the same time, um, because it is a a, there is a corporate structure at that level Mm -hmm. that you're actually not supposed to deal with. It's it's sort of the opposite of the community built. You're not supposed to deal directly with the person who's causing the problem, but talk to their superior and. Uh, so the other way, another way of working with it is becoming, um, becoming a good neighbor and becoming friends with I those see. that are working close by. So they gain a new appreciation for all you've done. <laughs> so in this aspect, maybe too many layers <laughs> or too much separation between the layers. There was way too much separation yeah. between the layers, uh, um, and for for too long a period of time. Um, and in the last six months, um, I was finally given a segue to the person who was uh, the coordinator for for the art exterior art. Well, my I think actually all the art installation and my my world opened up and improved immensely. Um, But there are still things way beyond her control. So you do what you can do and you make friends where you can make friends and um, just make sure, you know, 
you do you just do what you're in control of and sometimes it's a matter of just trusting mm-hmm. trusting that the people who really do know what they're doing um not making assumptions that they don't even though you feel it and you're good <laughs> but uh. there there is a big and that's that's uh, i think that's one of the key things to having people work for you in the studio is at a certain point in time forget the micromanagement just believe that you've trained them and they know what they're doing and um you know just trust that that people um are working on your behalf and that trust it sounds like comes directly from being as clear uh, clear of a communicator as you possibly can in multiple ways visually and through your words through your documentation through your drawings um i'm sure that trust builds through that clarity that you provide for everyone they're all tools and at different times i've used them better than other other times but um the more i utilize them um the more i see problems that have occurred because i have not used them uh judiciously or i have use them too judiciously and should have been more more uh, volumetric with the <laughs> output <laughs> well, I think words or drawings and anyway with your experience you you start to learn and pick up on the cues where you ne- do need to change yes. your methodology that the yes. message isn't being received and that there there needs to be a shift and that just comes like you said with experience starting on smaller projects and then even in the in the scope of this larger project in California, there's you can still have the same issues. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yes, again, um, doing all that we do is a process. It's not just a material process. It's a, a business process. It's a, a personal interaction process. It's um, there's just so much. All of like uh, making a mosaic sculpture. Well, definitely. <laughs> and there's not a part of the process. Um, I mean, you have to embrace, sure, you're going to like some processes better than others. But without the other, you'll never reach the success of the final. So um, I, as much as possible, I try to embrace, embrace each step. I love that. So given all that we've discussed, where would you like to see, we discussed your potential future and evolution, where would you like to see Mosaic evolve, Um, especially within this arena of public art and community involved projects? Well, I I think the time is really ripe for for people to... um, to move forward in, in the public art arena, there's a lot of interest, um, particularly by people involved in that commissioning process, um, because of the variety of imagery, surface, uh, scale, uh, message that Mosaic offers. Um, in another, on another note, though, I would like 
to see mosaics move more into um, more outside of ourselves that we get more involved with approaching galleries um, not with an exhibitions and juried juried shows not with um, the idea that there should be a category or um, a special place for mosaic that it's another medium of expression um, there is one part I one aspect a little event in my life that I wanted to share with you. Okay. And that was when I was beginning mosaics. Um, I became aware of, um, well, this, I mean, I had been doing mosaics, but about 20 years ago, I became aware of uh, the Franz Meyer studio in Munich. And I was, I saw that they had, anyway, I entered into some communication and that's when Franz Meyer was still there. And he invited me to come over and work in the studio just to see what it was. Like, well, how much would, you know, anyway, it was this open door opportunity. Um, and I went there I believe in uh, 1997 and I did a piece and um, I was, I was really using their materials. He said, you know, just we'll, we'll work with you, just do something and maybe someday you'll have a big commission. And, and cause they were working on the New York subway murals at the time. Okay. Just wonderful stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I did a piece and I brought it back. And one of the organizations I've been very active in has been the Tennessee Association of Craft Artists, which is now called Tennessee Craft. And it's a nonprofit uh, statewide organizations of craft artists. Well, they always, every other year, they have a, a Best of Tennessee Crafts exhibition. Mm -hmm. And while Mosaic isn't readily thought of as a contemporary you know, as a contemporary craft medium, I, I entered the piece I did at Franz Meyer and won Best of Show. And that was out of, you know, very established studio artists in wood and glass and fiber. And of course, it was the only mosaic in the whole exhibition. Um, and I, I always took that as a very positive sign that the, that the community, the art viewing world, the craft viewing world, really is not making the, um, the kind of judgments about mosaic that we, the mosaic artists, are making ourselves. And that I think it really is, um, there's so much wonderful work and the content is, is so viable that I would love to see mosaics more in mainstream art galleries and viewing venues. Excellent. I think we all do. And I appreciate that very much. Well, Don Marie, let me just say that I'm del always delighted to work with you and <laughs> the mosaic, the Sama people are fabulous and I can't imagine my life without Sama in it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. We um, are looking forward to your presentation and workshop in Boston at the 2018 American Mosaic Summit coming up and we're going to hear a little bit more about this uh, installation that has been a big part of your life in California, but we're also going to hear some of your other tips and tricks of work, 
working through this commission process at um, your presentation in Boston. I'm also very excited about the workshops I'm going to be teaching. Uh, I think the teaching is such an important role in my in my overall activity as an artist, um, sharing the information and, and being an overall facilitator. And I appreciate you doing so year after year. I think when we shop for conference venues every year, we need to make sure that we, we have a space for uh, the snow globe effect that we create in the hotels. <laughs> And these the styrofoam pieces start to fly. I'll never forget. Uh, I think it was 2010 in Chicago, where the the May. It just looked like a snow globe was exploding out of one of the rooms, and and the housekeepers were frantically <laughs> trying to keep up with the trail of styrofoam that that went from from the door of your workshop all the way to the elevator and every elevator in the hotel for at least two days had remnants of styrofoam in it. And I just, I love the way that we infuse our practice in every space that we go. <laughs> I think it's good for them too. <laughs> I think, I think so. It keeps them on their toes. Thank you so much for doing this with me and we'll be seeing you very, very soon. Don Marie, it's been an honor. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our second episode of Behind the Mosaic, our podcast produced for the Society of American Mosaic Artists. As there will be with each episode, we put a link in the show notes to a post on the SAMA website, AmericanMosaics.org, where you can find more images of Sherry's work and Sherry at work and some reference links. In this week's show notes, we also include a note from Sherry because she forgot to mention something about her assistants. So go make sure you check that out. While you're on the SAMA website, make sure to also visit our section on the American Mosaic Summit, our annual conference, which in 2018 will be in Boston, uh, March 13th through the 18th. Sherry will be a featured presenter and once again, an education session instructor with us. And I think that's about it for this week. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. We will be taking uh, this week off and we will come back with the next episode of Behind the Mosaic uh, in early January. Thank you all for listening and the support that we've received for our new program. Once again, this is Don Marie Zimmerman. Zimmerman.